What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to week five of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2017-2018 NFL season. You might notice right off the jump, if you're watching on YouTube, hey, my splash page doesn't look like garbage anymore. It's not just text typed on a white screen. It looks a little better now. I have actual graphics, and that leads me into the exciting announcement that I have to make. If you have me on Snapchat, you know last night I teased that I have a special announcement to make, and I will wait no longer. I'm very pleased this morning to officially announce my affiliation with Nerd Tees. And folks, I'm a huge nerd. There's no denying it. There's no trying to get around it. With my weekly talk of statistics, analytics, and trends, and I do it for an hour a week, nerd should be stamped to my forehead, and I wouldn't really have it any other way. Myself and the rest of the NFL YouTube progs in the community, we all do it. We're all big nerds. Enter Nerd Tees. Nerd Tees is a Canadian-based small business tea company offering unique and flavorful loose leaf and matcha tea blends, as well as accessories. With over a hundred different blends in their catalog, including my personal favorite, get this, a chocolate cake flavored tea blend. It is delicious, and in addition to being a nerd, I'm also tubby, so anything chocolate cake flavored, I am there. But this blend is incredible. So including the chocolate cake blend that I love, you or the tea lover in your life, you're 100%, you're sure to find a few blends in here that you love. They've got stuff like root beer. They've got amaretto almond biscotti. Amaretto is my drink. I love the taste of amaretto. There are a ton of really cool, great tea blends on this website. And even better, for being a listener, you have an opportunity to save 15% on your order from Nerd Teas. Simply use the promo code BWFINEST at checkout and shave 15% off of your order with free shipping in Canada on orders over 50 bucks. Once again, use the promo code BWFINEST, save 15% on your order. Guys and gals, I'm the kind of person where if I don't love it, I don't support it. I love to support small business. I love the owner of Nerd Tees, Ruby, who's responsible for the new graphics and new splash screen that you see if you're watching the YouTube video. I love Nerd Tees. I'm drinking Nerd Tees right now. I literally have it in my hand. And I think if you give Nerd Tees a shot, you're going to love Nerd Tees too. Even if you're not a tea drinker right now, give it a shot. I'm sure you're going to love it. Go to nerdtees.ca, browse their extensive tea and accessory catalogs, and use the promo code BWFINEST at checkout. Save yourself 15% and show your love for the show. I can't wait to read all the people calling me a sellout in the comments section. Anyways, now that we've got the advertisement down, I'm super excited to now be affiliated with Nerd Tees. Now let's talk about how week four went before we get into the picks for week five. I'll tell you something, week four did not start out all that promisingly. I think I was only five and five through the first 10 games, but the best part about that is I went undefeated for the rest of the week. Ended up with 11-5 and five straight up record for week four. That has me at 41 up, 22 down on the season. We'll definitely take that almost at 67%. Against the spread was also an excellent week. 
I ended up 11 and five against the spread. We will definitely take that double digit against the spread. Can't hate that at all. So 11 and five in week four has us 35 up, 27 down with one push so far on the season. And best news ever, I hit 500 on the over-under. Yeah, not overall, not overall on the season. Let's, let's not go nuts. But in a single week, I was not under 500 on the over-under. And that is just mind-boggling for this season. I was an even eight and eight on the over-under that has us 23 up, 39 down with one push on the season, but it was 500 for a single week. Hooray! All kinds of exciting news so far. This may be my most hyped episode that I've ever done with all the cool stuff I get to tell you about. Now, the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from week four, kind of a mixed bag. We'll go with the bronze pick. It was a straight-up win because I told you to take the Packers to beat Chicago. They better than doubled them up. 35 to 14 in Lambeau. It wasn't against the spread win as I told you to go Green Bay minus seven. They covered that easily, but it was a loss on the over under as I told you to stay under 45 and a half points and they get to 49. Silver pick was the first of my two losses straight up in these picks. The New England Patriots lose to the Carolina Panthers 33 to 30. But it wasn't against the spread win because I told you to go Carolina plus nine. There was no way the Patriots were covering that nine point spread even before the ball was snapped. It was also an over under win as I told you to go over 48 and a half points because Vegas has yet to figure out that the Patriots will not play another under for the rest of the season. The gold pick, definitely the highlight of these picks because we swept it. It was a straight up win. As I told you to take Arizona to beat the 49ers, they did so, but it took overtime. What is going on with this season? I actually think this is the third consecutive gold pick that I've made that's gone into overtime. I have to go back and double check that. And I'm just going to do that right quick. One, two, Oh, see, so yeah, there, okay. So it was two straight gold picks that have gone into overtime. But then in week two, my bronze pick went into overtime. So it's it's been a very tumultuous, we'll say, season for these picks so far. But Arizona beat San Francisco 18-15 to in overtime. It was an against-the-spread win, as I told you to take the Niners, plus seven, too big of a spread for me. And it was an over-under win, as I told you to stay under 44.5 points. Now, as good as the gold pick was, unfortunately, the platinum pick completely suffered. We missed all of it with the Buffalo Bills coming up and beating the Atlanta Falcons on what was, again, a very questionable call. Questionable is putting it mildly. That play with Matt Ryan and what was considered a strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown, scoop and score. Look, I I think it was a forward pass. I think they screwed that up, but... I don't get to make those calls. So Atlanta loses to Buffalo 23 to 17. It was an against the spread loss as I told you to go Atlanta minus eight. And it was a loss on the over under as I told you to go over 48 and a half points. So platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. We were two and two straight up. We were a good three and one against the spread. That's definitely a good sign. And we were two and two on the over under. 
Let's take a look now at the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for Season 6 of the show before we talk about the Hatbox Pick'em Pool as well. In the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, I am now up to second place, actually still in second place, out of 35 managers, so we picked up another manager along the way. Thank you very much for whoever it was that joined. I now have 372 out of 528 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 70%, and that is a championship clip based off of previous seasons, so we're right where we want to be. In week four, I pulled in 86 of 136 possible confidence points, lost a couple of big ones there, obviously, with the silver and the platinum picks. That's only a clip of 63%. Shout out to our week four winner, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. He was also 11 and five straight up, but managed the confidence points better than I did. 103 out of 136 possible confidence points. That is a clip of 76%, and it was good enough to win week four. 69 King remains our overall leader, but kind of came back to the pack a little bit this week. Now has an equal record to me at 41 and 22. They have 390 out of 528 possible confidence points. So that's a clip of 74%. And that is a 5% overall dip in confidence points for 69 King. Kind of coming back to the pack a little bit. So it is definitely getting tight early in the season. Popping over to the Hatbox Pick'em Pool, my good week has me now up into a tie for second place in this league. It is very, very close with my 41 correct straight up wins. That's a clip of 65% on the season. In week four, I went 11 for 16, obviously. That is a clip of 69%, nice, and it's right where we want to be. Shout out to our week four winners. There were three of them. So we had three teams tied with a 12 and four record from last week. That's a clip of 75% and was one pick better than I was. Shout out to our new overall leader in the hat box pool, Michael Marriott. Michael Marriott has a record of 43 and 20. So far on the season, 43 of 63 picks correct. That's a clip of 68%, and it's two better than the number of teams behind him in the standings. So, shout out to Mr. Irrelevant for winning week four and 69 King for remaining the overall leader in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. Shout out to the three teams who went 12 and 4 last week as well as Michael Marriott for being the week four winners and the new overall leader in the Hatbox pool. Let's take a quick peek here into Fantasy Corner and see how my four fantasy football teams did in week four action. I ended up going two and two in week four. In the Professionals Dynasty League, which is my commished dynasty fantasy football league, I picked up the loss against Beetle Bailey, Keith Bailey, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator. I have now dropped to two and two in that league. Week five, I got a matchup against Holly Gordon, and that is a projected loss for me as well. So I've got my work cut out for me as bye weeks begin. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I picked up the win against Chris Carter, the GM Ghouls. That now has me at 3-1 and one in that league and near the top of the standings. I got a Week 5 matchup against Billy B, my fellow Hatbox Nation. Well, I got Hatbox Nation guys in back-to-back -back weeks. So I got Billy B in Week 5. It's a projected win for me, but again, I still got work to do. Bye weeks are coming into play, and that's how my fantasy teams looked in week four. 
And of course, I'll take this opportunity as always to remind you that if you go to the description of the YouTube video or the description on iTunes or SoundCloud, you're going to find all of my results from week four, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week five. There's a couple of lines that we don't really have numbers yet, but they're all going to be there. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool and or the Hatbox Pick'em Pool for season six of my show and I think season four of him doing the pools. It is not too late to get in there. Put your picks up head-to-head -head against mine and many other great NFL YouTube prognosticators. It is not too late. It is never too late to get yourself shouted out on the show. You're also going to find the link to the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. Join that page. We talk football all week long. It's a great community. Make sure you get in there, get your voice heard, and get those picks right from the source. You're going to find the link to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. My piece of content, my finest NFL parlays, continue unabated for the rest of the season. You'll find that link in the description. And you'll also find the link to Nerd Tees and information for using my Nerd Tees code BWFINEST to save 15% on your Nerd Tees order. I plugged them at the beginning of the episode. I believe in this company in a big bad way. If you're a tea drinker, if you're not a tea drinker, give them a shot. Use my promo code. I think you'll find something that you love. Holy cow, that intro took me 15 minutes to record. Okay, week four in the rear view here comes week five bye weeks are beginning we only have 14 games on the schedule this week let's make them count let's start in cincinnati where the surprising afc east leading buffalo bills bring their talents to ohio to face the one and three Bengals. bills come into this game having won two straight and have to be considered one of the if not the surprise of the AFC or the entire NFL really to be three and one leading this division have an average margin of victory of about five points they're putting up points they're keeping points off the board Buffalo playing a very complete game of football right now Bengals coming off of a win last week, but they have lost both of their home games so far this season. But despite only being one and three, their scoring is pretty darn even. Margin of victory is by negative less than a point. Of course, those numbers are helped by the big win last week, Cincinnati beating Cleveland very soundly 31 to seven. So I got to have a little egg on my face for that one. Both of these teams playing excellent on the defensive side of the ball. Cincinnati, the number three total defense in football right now, only giving up just over 270 yards per game, only allowing a buck 65 on average through the air. That secondary has been very good so far. Buffalo, a top 10 total defense in their own right, and they have excelled at stopping the run, only giving up just under 94 yards per game. What I actually kind of love about this matchup is the way that these two teams have excelled on defense that I just mentioned are not the way that their opponent this week is likely to attack them. Buffalo, the strength of their offense has been the run game, just under 113 yards per game. Cincinnati's run defense has been all right, but hasn't been as good as their secondary has been. You look at Cincinnati, their primary method of attack is through the air. The run game averaging less than 90 yards per game cumulatively as a team. And the strength of Buffalo's defense, as we just mentioned, has been the run defense versus the secondary. The run defense has played better than the secondary has. So you've got a passing team 
against a secondary that's not as good as the run defense. And you have a run game against a run defense that's not as good as the secondary. So kind of makes for an interesting matchup. Really, this is kind of a coin flip game. This game could go either way. Top to bottom, I really think the Bills are the better team. So despite the fact that the game's in Cincinnati, I'm going to take Buffalo on the road. I like the Bills to go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals. On the line, Cincinnati is a three-point favorite at home, obviously, since I like Buffalo to win the game. I'm going to tell you to take Buffalo plus three there, and I really would not be surprised if this line moved closer to a pick by game time. Just because, like, look, Cincinnati beating Cleveland and beating Cleveland soundly, I think maybe Vegas might be overreacting to that just a little bit. Because, I mean, look, it is Cleveland. Buffalo, an excellent team. They've won two straight games. I believe they've won both of their games on the road so far this season. No, they're no, sorry, they're one and one. My mistake. But still, they've won on the road so far this season. I like the Bills in this one. So, Bills win straight up. I like Buffalo plus three on the line. Total in this game is 38 and a half. I actually think it's going to stay under. These two teams are only a combined two and six on the over-under so far this season. So even though that's a low number of 38 and a half, let's play the percentages. Take under 38 and a half in Buffalo, Cincinnati. Let's go to Cleveland now where the aforementioned Cleveland Browns will play host to the New York Jets. Maybe a bit of a surprise at two and two. The Jets have come into this game having won two straight games. They're up to 500 and that has them tied for second place in this division with the New England Patriots. Browns, of course, now still searching for their first win on the season. 0-4 and and got soundly beaten by Cincinnati last week. This is a matchup of two teams who are getting outscored on average on the season, but not exactly in the same method. Jets' margin of victory right now is about negative 5 on the season, close to negative 5. The Browns' margin of victory is negative 10. So, look, it's it's not the same. It's, it's apples and oranges. Cleveland has put up, technically, more touchdowns on the season, one more touchdown, and the Jets have lost both of their road games so far this season, but... You can't, I don't know, I think objectively top to bottom Cleveland's probably the better team, but the Jets are the team that's playing better right now. Even though it's on the road, I'm going to take the Jets to get their first win on the road of the season, go into Cleveland and beat the Browns and keep the Browns winless. One thing that I think will be really interesting in that game, though, is to see how the Jets' run offense, which has been very, very good so far this season, contends with a pretty darn good Browns' run defense. So, like, look, if the Jets can get something going through the air, it should open things up for the run game. Bilal Powell was really good last week, and that could be his coming out party. Hopefully it is, finally. But, you know, again, I, I just I just like the Jets in this one. So we're going to take the Jets on the road to beat Cleveland. On the line, Cleveland's a point and a half favorite at home. You can't have an 0-4 team as a favorite. Take the Jets plus a point and a half. Total in this game is only 39 points. I am going to tell you to stay under on it. The two teams are a combined 3-5 and five over under so far this season. It's a low number, but it's two not very good offenses. So take the under in this one. Under 39 points in the Jets and the Browns. Let's go to Detroit now where my man crush on Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions continues unabated. They won last week. 
and the Lions come home to face the Carolina Panthers, who picked up a huge win in Foxborough last week. And look, I might as well call a spade a spade. I am loving this Detroit Lions team so far this season. You know that if you've been listening to the show since the start of the season. And it wasn't exactly designed that way, but the Lions have won me over. They're a team that's putting up points. Statistically, they're the best defense in that division. They're 3-1, and one, tied for the division lead with the Green Bay Packers, who are probably my team. And look... I think the Lions are super competitive with Green Bay and top to bottom might be the better team. Lions, as I mentioned, picked up the win last week in Minnesota against the Vikings, as I said they would. I feel bad for the Vikings now having lost Dalvin Cook for the season. That is a terrible non-contact injury for Dalvin Cook. That's really going to hurt the Vikings going forward. But Detroit picks up the win last week. Carolina obviously picking up a huge upset win against the Patriots in New England. Again, I knew New England wasn't going to cover that spread, but I certainly didn't think that Carolina was going to come up and beat them. But that's what happens when you have a capable offense against a team that can't play defense. This week, Carolina is a capable offense playing back-to-back road games, coming into a building against a team that can play defense, has played defense, and plays better defense at home than they do on the road. So I think I like the Lions in this one again. Detroit has struggled to move the ball a little bit so far this season. They're only the number 24 ranked total offense in football, but they're making the most of the yardage that they get, averaging 25 points a game on just the number 24 total offense. On the defensive side, I'm not going to lie, Carolina has been stout this season. They're very, very good so far. But you look at Detroit, and on average, I would say these two run defenses are very, very comparable. Very similar, certainly in terms of their output. And they're only giving up an average of the exact same number of points per game. So between the two, I have to defer to the team that I feel has the better offense in terms of points on the board. That is the Detroit Lions. You get the extra bump that they're playing at home. I like the Lions to beat Carolina. On the line, Detroit's favored by only a field goal at home. I like that. Take it all day. Detroit minus three at home against Carolina. Total in this game is 44 points. It's a really close one because these two teams are 4-4 over under so far this year. Last week, they split. One went over, one went under. So there's just no, you know, there's there's not a lot to differentiate between the two. I'm going to tell you to stay under on it, even though it's one of those middling numbers. Detroit's defense at home does play better. Carolina, Cam Newton has had his issues this season. So I think we're going to play it quote-unquote safe on this one if any pick is a safe pick for a guy that's 23 39 and 1 over under but we will go under 44 on Detroit Carolina let's go to Indianapolis now where the Colts losing last week after getting their first win of the season are going to play host at home to the San Francisco 49ers Niners still winless on the season but again taking Arizona to overtime last week San Francisco has been in ish the majority of their games this season. However, their margin of victory still about negative a touchdown per game. Statistically, the Colts have the worst defense in the AFC, and it may be, in fact, it is the worst defense in football right now, having given up 136 points in four games. 
They have lost all three of their games so far against the NFC. Doesn't bode well against an NFC opponent this week. Both of these offenses are pretty bad. I have to give Indianapolis the slight edge. San Francisco has moved the ball better than they have, but uh, Indianapolis, sorry, has put up more points with what they've been given by a little over a point a game. I do also think it's going to be easier for San Francisco to move the ball on Indianapolis than it will be for Indianapolis to move the ball on San Francisco. San Francisco has the number 19 total defense, but Indianapolis second only to the Patriots in terms of worst total defense in the NFL so far this season. The one saving grace for the Colts is between the secondary and the run defense, the run defense has played a little bit better, and San Francisco doesn't really throw the ball all that well. The majority of their offense comes on the ground, so at least matchup-wise, that's a little bit better for the Colts. It's weird for me to say this, but I honestly think that if Andrew Luck does return to practice this week, that is going to be a big determinant in whether Indianapolis wins this game. Not that Luck's going to play, because he's not. But just to see the starting quarterback return to practice officially, he's been on the throwing program but hasn't returned to practice. If he returns to practice this week, that's going to be a huge, huge morale boost for the Indianapolis Colts that right now are just trying to survive without their starting quarterback. I'm actually going to take them this week. It's it's a tough spot for San Francisco. I believe this is back-to-back road games, is it not? It certainly is, having gone into Arizona and now having to go to Indianapolis. It's back-to-back road games. They were competitive last week. I think they're going to be competitive again this week. But I'm not going to take the Colts. I'm going to take the home team here. I think they will get that boost by luck returning to practice. And I think the Colts pull it out. So Indianapolis... At home, I've got them beating the 49ers. On the line, Indianapolis is a point and a half favorite at home. That's a line that's, I think, right about where it should be. And I'm going to take that because I like the Colts to win the game. So Indianapolis minus a point and a half. Total in this game is 43 and a half points, which initially seemed a little bit high for me, especially where these two teams are only four and four over under and split their games last week one over one under, but I am actually going to tell you to go over 43 and a half on it. These defenses are not good. Like they're just not good defenses. So I think points will show up in this game. It might be a backdoor over, but I think it's going to go over by a couple of points. So I'm going to take over 43 and a half in San Francisco, Indianapolis. Now we come to our first of a trio of games that do not have a number for their total, and that is the Miami Dolphins playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Both of these teams had terrible performances last week, Tennessee getting blown out by Houston and Miami getting shut out in London by the New Orleans Saints. Look, this is nothing against Houston, but Houston's not a 57-point team. This is nothing against the Saints, but the Saints are not a shutout defense. And the line in this game makes absolutely no sense, but we'll get to that in a second. Both of these teams, as I mentioned, lost last week. The Dolphins have now lost two games in a row after opening the season with a win. This Dolphins offense is in trouble. They've only put up 25 points in three games. That is less than 10 points per game. While they've given up 57, their average margin of victory is negative 10 points. You look at the Tennessee Titans, they've been able to put up points, 25 points a game in the first four, but they've given up over 30. We talk about Tennessee's run game and how good it is, and that has not changed. Tennessee still averaging just under 140 yards per game 
on the ground. But Miami's run defense has been stout so far this season. They're giving up less than 80 yards per game. They're the number four overall run defense in football right now through their, well, their three games, but most teams, four games. Number four overall run defense. So that, of course, will be a very interesting matchup. Tack on to that, we don't know what the effectiveness of Marcus Mariota will be. Luckily, it looks like he has avoided significant injury. Looks like it was just something with the hamstring. He'll likely, likely play this game, but... I would not be surprised at all to see if he's limited. And if he doesn't play, that's a big downside for the Titans. This is back-to-back road games for Tennessee after getting embarrassed last week. You got to imagine the Titans will have a bit of a fire under them. But you have to imagine that this Dolphins offense is going to pick up... No, you don't. Jay Cutler's the quarterback. I keep forgetting. By the way, did you see the replay of that Wildcat play? from I think it was Miami's last game where Jay Cutler just went out wide and literally stood there with his hands on his hips watching the play. If you're going to be a decoy, at least act like they might throw you the ball. Act like a decoy. Don't just stand there with your hands on your hips. Yeah, this was a way better choice than Colin Kaepernick. And I don't care if you don't like it. I'm just going to keep beating that drum Colin Kaepernick should be the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins right now. Anyways, you know what? Despite the fact that I hate Jay Cutler, I do kind of like the Dolphins this week. Back-to-back road games is tough for Tennessee. They just got beat up against Houston. Just plain beat up. The defense got hung out to dry. They gave up 57 points. If Miami is going to score points, they're going to score points this week. So I'm going to take the Dolphins. They get the bump being at home. I like Miami to beat Tennessee. And again, the spread in this game makes absolutely no sense. Miami are three-point dogs at home against a team that just got beat 57-14 to last week. I know, objectively, up and down, top to bottom, Tennessee's a better football team. But you can't, I don't know, you can't, like this game should be a pick It shouldn't be Miami plus three. I'm going to take that at home. Even if Tennessee wins the game, I figure it's going to be maybe by a point or two. So let's go Miami plus three on the line. Again, there is no total in this game, but I think the watershed mark here is right around 42 points. So if it opens up as like a 42 and a half, 43, 43 and a half, 44, take the under on it because again, Miami can play some run defense. So let's see if they can do it against one of the best running attacks in the league. If it's only like a 39 or a 40, I think you got to take the over on it because I think both teams will put up their points. That's the way I'm going to go with it. And they only combined to be three and four over under so far on the season. So around 42 points, that's your watershed mark in Miami, Tennessee. Let's go to New York now for a battle of winless teams as the Giants are going to play host to the LA Chargers. And typically in situations where the offenses or the defenses are essentially similar in terms of their output, I would usually defer to the better offense. In this case... That would be the LA Chargers. Both of these teams have given up around 93, 94, 95 points in their four games so far on the season. So in terms of their output, defenses are pretty similar. LA has had the better offense. They've scored 72 points in four games, whereas the Giants have only scored 60. It's funny, these two teams are so incredibly similar on the offensive side of the ball in terms of what they've done so far this season. 
through the air. They're a much better team than they are on the ground. The Chargers, surprisingly, with a guy like Melvin Gordon, they're only averaging 67.5 yards per game on the ground, where the Giants are averaging less than 60. And both the Giants and the Chargers have crummy, crummy total run defenses. The Giants giving up an average of a buck 42.8 on the ground. The Chargers giving up an average of a buck 63.5. So both of these teams, in my opinion, have no choice but to at least try to run the football this week against a pair of really bad run defenses. You have to at least try. So again, typically I would defer in this situation to the better offense, which are the LA Chargers. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to go with the Giants to get the first win of the season. I think the Giants have more impact players on offense, Brandon Marshall and obviously Odell Beckham. And Eli Manning's got to get it figured out eventually, I feel. And yes, I am rubbing my face with my hands as I say that. He's got to get it figured out eventually. I think maybe he gets it figured out a little bit more this week. They're at home. It's a good situation for them. They were a really good home team last year. What were they, 7-1 and one or something like that in 2016? I'm just going to check that as I keep talking here. But they were a good home team, so they should be able to get this done, get this win against a team that was only 2-6 and six on the road last year. The, yeah, the Giants were 7-1 and one at home. So, I mean, if they're going to win a game, it's going to be this game. So, I'm going to take the Giants at home to beat the Chargers. On the line, Giants are a three and a half point favorite at home. Don't you dare. Uh, Chargers plus three and a half as it's more than a field goal in what I think is going to be a pretty darn close game. So I like the Chargers plus three and a half on the line. Total in this game is 44 and a half points. These two teams are four and four even on the over under so far this season, but they did both go over last week so i am going to tell you to go over 44 and a half points i figure the run game has got to work for at least one if not both of these teams this week so 44 and a half it's not going to sail over it's not going to go over by a ton but i think it will go over the 44 and a half so take over 44 and a half in los angeles new york let's go to oakland now where the raiders meet the ravens in a battle of teams that have lost two straight games and have been either reeling from injury all season or are currently reeling from injury case number one we have the baltimore ravens who have been so beat up on defense and on offense with injuries it's just every week something else comes out and you just shrug your shoulders and you're just like i'm not surprised it's the ravens and then you look at Oakland, who now have lost Derek Carr, starting quarterback, for at least two weeks, up to a maximum of six, with a fracture in his back. So typically, I would look at the stats in this one, but again, it's you have to throw most of Oakland's offensive stats out the window because it's not going to be Derek Carr under center. They're going to EJ Manuel for the next, at least, again, minimum of two games, if not the next five or six. So it's, you know what? It's going to be a tough road to hoe. EJ Manuel, I think, is an adequate NFL quarterback. I don't think he's incredible by any means. He's got weapons around him. He's got weapons that can certainly make him look good and look better. I think if you're playing fantasy, you want to get Jared Cook immediately because he's going to be EJ Manuel's safety blanket. Like, he's going to be right there. So, uh, you know what? He's got weapons especially on the receiving core, but boy, it's going to be tough. Like Baltimore can play some defense. They're not a good road team. 
Now, they have won on the road this year, but they're not a good road team. Three of their four games so far have come within their own division. They lost the one that was not in their own division. It's not like they're playing a great football team here. Oakland is easily the better offense, but you don't have your starting quarterback in there. So how can you really depend on getting any kind of output dependably from your offense? Baltimore, as I said, they can play defense. They're a bend-but-don't-break style defense. And I'm actually going to take Baltimore this week just because I don't know what I'm going to get out of EJ Manuel. This is probably a bad straight-up pick. But I'm going to take Baltimore on the road to go into Oakland and beat the Raiders. It's not back-to-back road games, luckily, for Baltimore. They did play at home last week against Pittsburgh, losing that game. But I, I, I like Baltimore here. I'm going to take the Ravens on the road to beat the Raiders. On the line, Raiders are favored by four points, and there's no reason for the Raiders to be favored by more than a field goal here. So take Baltimore plus four, even if you don't like the Ravens to win. I think it's going to be a close game. Baltimore plus four on the line. There is no total in this game, obviously. These two teams are combined two and six over under, but I expect the watershed mark here to kind of be around 40-41 with the unknown situation around the quarterback position for Oakland. So I think if you get like a 40-41, you might want to maybe consider taking the over on it. But if you're 42 or above, definitely go under. So your number is going to be somewhere around that 40-41 points. That's where I'm going to go with Baltimore-Oakland. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Rams, probably the surprise of the NFC, right up there with Buffalo for a surprise across the entire NFL, are going to be playing host to the Seattle Seahawks. This is an NFC West division matchup in Seattle. Got it figured out last week, picking up the win. That game was so interesting because at the half, Seattle trailed in that game 15-10. to Now the defense only gave up another field goal after that, and it was like the offense took steroids in the locker room because they put up 36 points on the board after the half. So look, they got it figured out eventually. It took them to the second half to get it figured out. Great. But I think Seattle is up against far superior opposition this week than they were last week. The Rams just continue to keep piling up points. They've won two straight games. They've scored 142 points in four games. That is pretty incredible. Seattle has now wiggled their way up to a top 10 total offense in football so far. They're just at number 10, putting up 240 yards per game through the air and a buck 21 on the ground. So there's definitely something to build on there on the offensive side defensively they've been not really being let down but certainly by the run game they've definitely been let down seattle giving up a buck 34 on the ground so far this season now the rams have not played good defense all season the secondary has been not too bad you know only 216 yards per game through the air but they've given up a buck 51 on the ground this game is going to be a runner's delight but i have to defer to the team with the better running back in that situation and that's the rams with todd Gurley. and they're playing at home seattle does not travel well i like the rams at home in a tough nfc west matchup to beat the seahawks on the line the rams are favored by less than a field goal favored by two and a half points at home I'm going to tell you to take that because, again, it's the Rams at home. Seattle does not travel well, even though it's a division game. So I like the Rams minus two and a half on the line. 
Total in this game is 47 points. I actually have to tell you to go over on it. It's a big number with two pretty decent, at least on paper, defenses. But the two teams have combined to go 6-2 and two over under so far this season. Even though it's a big number, the Rams are scoring a ton of points right now. And Seattle looks like maybe they've got their offense figured out a bit. So I got to tell you to go over 47 points in Los Angeles, Seattle. Let's go to Houston now where the Texans are coming off of, of course, a giant win last week and Kansas City coming off of a win last night on Monday Night Football. The Chiefs remain undefeated, but they certainly did it the hard way against Washington, a very good, very game Washington Redskins team last night, but the Chiefs did get it done. A nice little backdoor cover there on the scoop and score on the attempted lateral at the end of the game, so maybe their point total looks a little higher than it should. But look, there is no arguing with the number two overall offense in football that's putting up a buck 63 and a half on the ground per game. Once again, they now have moved to the top spot, the number one run offense in football. They're there and they're there pretty comfortably by about 15 yards a game over Jacksonville and about 20 yards a game over Denver and Philadelphia. So they're the top run offense in football. Obviously, Kareem Hunt has been one of the revelations of the NFL so far this season. Put up another 100-yard game last night after it looked like he wasn't going to get there, but he got there late in the game. Look, this Kansas City team, they're incredible. Now, they didn't look incredible for big swaths of the game last night, and they're going into a Houston team that did look incredible last week, absolutely crushing a division opponent. That said, Houston is not a 57-point team. They're just, they're just not. Tennessee, the wheels completely fell off for them last week. I don't expect Kansas City's wheels to fall off against Houston. Because this is a team that in the last two weeks has scored about 90% of the points that they've scored overall on the season. This is basically the same team that only had 20 points through the first two games, with one notable exception, of course, being Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. And Deshaun Watson has played excellent. But this is a much better defense in Kansas City than Houston had to face last week. It's a good situation for Houston being at home, but look, they're the only undefeated team in football, and they're that for a reason. So I have to go with the Chiefs here. It's going to be a relatively close game, as I think the spread will indicate, but I got to go with the Chiefs here. I like Kansas City on the road to beat Houston. On the line, Houston's a point and a half dog at home, so there that's an indicator of how close people think this game is going to be, but I think maybe that could be Vegas overreacting a little bit to Houston's offensive output from last week. I don't expect Houston to hit 57 points again this week, or 40 or 30, maybe 20, but I don't expect them to hit even 30 points this week. So you're looking at about probably half the output, probably less than half the output that they had last week. I like Kansas City minus a point and a half here as I like them to win the game. Total in this game is 47 points. I am going to tell you to take the over on it. It's relatively close. The two teams have combined to go five and three over under. It's a fairly big number, but I still like it to go over 47 by a couple of points in Kansas City, Houston. And the last game we're going to look at sees the Chicago Bears coming home to face the Minnesota Vikings, and it's Trubisky time. I'd like to start off by saying that I'm so glad that Chicago did not put Mitch Trubisky in that game last week against Green Bay. 
just because even as the game was starting to get a little more out of reach and people on Twitter and even I think in the crowd were like, Trubisky, Trubisky. But it's like, why would you do that? Tensions were really high in that game. It's a division game to begin with, but tensions were really high after that hit on Devontae Adams by uh, uh, Danny Trevathan, I think it was. So tensions were running really, really high. And you want to put your number two overall pick rookie quarterback out there when the field is wet, the ball is wet, and tensions are really high? Don't do that. And luckily, they were smart enough to not do that. But I'm all for Mitch Trubisky over Mike Glennon being the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears this week. He's going to play a fairly good defense here in Minnesota, but I love the fact that they've put him in. It's another division matchup here. Both of these teams lost last week. Now, one thing that I can say, Chicago's only win so far this season came outside the NFC. So it was against an AFC team. Minnesota has won two of their three games against NFC opponents. Both of these teams are so far winless inside the division. Chicago yet to win a game on the road, but their one win did come at home. The Vikings, for their part, also winless on the road so far this season, though they've only played one game. We talked about Minnesota's defense. Now, the strength of Minnesota's defense is the run defense. The secondary really has not played that great so far this season, giving up just over 246 yards per game through the air. That's only the number 24 total secondary in the NFL so far this season, and you would expect that number to be better with the playmakers that Minnesota has on defense. Chicago certainly knows how to get things done on the ground with Jordan Howard and now Tariq Cohen coming out of the backfield in a pass catching capacity. The Bears are averaging 117 and a half yards per game on the ground, has them inside the top half of the league in terms of their run offense. Minnesota right up there as well, kind of at the halfway point in the league. But then, of course, they've now lost Dalvin Cook for the season. Looks like they're going to be going with Latavius Murray as well as Jarek McKinnon as a change of pace back. Nothing wrong with Latavius Murray. As a matter of fact, I would pick him up in fantasy if you possibly can. Because now, look, there's a at least two down back, if not a three down back in Minnesota. He's certainly going to get you numbers. But he's not as good as Dalvin Cook. Uh, Certainly not in terms of what Dalvin Cook has done so far this season versus even sort of the best seasons of Latavius Murray. I think Dalvin Cook's the better back. So it definitely hurts Minnesota's run offense that they've lost Cook now for the season. Chicago, I don't know whether I've said it before. I think I've officially kind of slept on this Bears defense, at least in terms of total defense. They've been giving up a lot of points. They gave up 26 points per game so far on the season, but they're the number eight total defense in football, so they can stop the yardage. And if they get their opponents into situations where they can get them in long yardage, they can keep them off the field, get their offense back on the field. I think Chicago's actually got a pretty decent chance in this game. I am going to stick with Minnesota to win the game as I feel the better overall team from top to bottom. I I like the Vikings to win the game. It's going to be a tight game. And I'll be really interested to see what Mitch Trubisky can do against this number 24 ranked secondary for the Minnesota Vikings. Rookie mistakes, rookie luck, beginner's luck, who knows. But I am really interested to see what's going to happen in this game. I'm going to take the Vikings on the road to beat the Bears. 
On the line, the Bears are three-point dogs at home. Look, it's a game that they could conceivably win. Three points, I think, is too many for me in what I think is going to be a relatively low-scoring game. So let's take Chicago plus three on the line at home against Minnesota. There is no total in this game. This is the final game where there is no total. I think the watershed mark here is going to be somewhere around 39-40. The teams have combined to be three and five over under so far this season. So if you get like a 38 or 37 and a half, I think you can go over on it. But anything even in the low 40s, you might want to consider staying under because there's a lot of unknowns in this football game. So you can't go over a number that's too, too big here. If it starts with a four, you might want to consider staying under. That's how I'm going to go in Minnesota, Chicago. All right, folks, let's do this platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week five in the NFL. What I will say is of all the weeks so far this season, week five was probably my most difficult week in picking the four games that I wanted for these picks. But let's get right into it and start with the bronze pick. My bronze pick where I am three and one straight up, two and two against the spread, but oh, three and one on the over under. We got to change that this week. Sees the Philadelphia Eagles play host to the Arizona Cardinals. Both of these teams won last week. Philly has won two straight games. They lead the division at three and one. Offense playing really well, 25 points a game, almost 26. Defense playing not too bad. Actually, these two teams, in terms of their output, pretty well the same in terms of the defense. Philly has a marked advantage on offense. Cardinals won last week, but it was certainly in sloppy fashion, needing overtime to get rid of the 49ers in Arizona. Now they have to hit the road, basically cross the country, to Philadelphia to play a very good team in their own building. What also certainly doesn't bode well for Arizona is the fact that they lost arguably their second best pass rusher in Marcus Golden. I believe he's going to be out for a protracted period of time. Tough to replace a really good pass rushing outside linebacker and Arizona is going to struggle with that this week in their pursuit of Carson Wentz. Now let's, can I just take a second to just sort of ask and mention, is Carson Wentz the most improved player in the NFL from last year to this year? I want you to think about that and give me your thoughts in the comment section below. Carson Wentz is on pace for a 4,000-yard season and a 3-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. His QBR is up 10 points over last season. His accuracy is down a little bit. But, I mean, look, a 4,000-yard season would definitely be an improvement. He's also on pace to rush for 400 yards this year. So I feel like he's one of the most improved, if not the most improved, player in the league this year. One strong suit for Arizona in this game is the fact they're still the number two pass offense in football and Philadelphia is third only to New England and Tampa Bay in terms of worst statistical secondaries in football so far this season. They've really been eaten alive by their injuries. Now the flip side of that is I don't think Arizona is going to have anything for a run game in this game. Philly's run defense is very good. Arizona not running the ball with any kind of consistent success so far this season, but Philadelphia certainly is. The Eagles are the number three total offense in football right now, bolstered by the fact that they put up 143 yards per game on the ground so far this season. And I really don't think 
the Darren Sproles injury is going to have a huge impact on that. Sproles hasn't exactly been putting up incredible yardage this season. So, look, it's never good to have a player get injured, but I don't think Philly's run offense is going to suffer a ton based on the fact that Sproles is now injured. Cardinals are certainly a solid defense, the number seven total defense in football, giving up only 88 yards per game on the ground. That will certainly be tested by this Eagles run offense. I have to like the Eagles here, given the fact that they're playing at home. Arizona, again, they had a really tough time last week with an inferior opponent. I like Philadelphia's chances here a whole bunch. I'm going to tell you to take the Eagles at home to beat the Cardinals. On the line, Philadelphia favored by just under a touchdown, minus six and a half on the line. I struggled with this one, kind of went back and forth on it. I am going to take Philadelphia minus six and a half. I feel like this is a really good scenario for them because where Arizona has struggled this year, really, there are two losses and there were two big losses. So when Arizona loses, they tend to get blown out and they're getting beaten by teams that are really good at moving the ball and have good run offenses. And that's exactly what Philadelphia is here. So let's take the Eagles minus six and a half. Total in this game is 45 points. The two teams are 4-4 and on the over-under and split their games last week. One over, one under. I am going to tell you to go over 45 points on this one. I think the defenses will play adequately, but I think this is really going to be an offensive showcase between these two teams. So 45 points, it's not enough for me. I think this is going to sail over. So Philadelphia beats Arizona straight up in Philadelphia. I like the Eagles minus six and a half on the line over 45 points. That's your bronze pick. My silver pick where I'm two and two straight up three and one against the spread, but only one and three over under sees the Pittsburgh Steelers at home taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Steelers in a familiar position leading the AFC North. The offense kind of coming around here a little bit back up over, you know, 20, 21, 22 points a game. The defense has played really well. They're only giving up 15 points per game. They're taking on Jacksonville. Jacksonville's offense has been better than Pittsburgh's has been so far this season. The defense has not quite been up to the task statistically the same way Pittsburgh's has. Pittsburgh won last week after dropping their first game of the season. Jacksonville picking up the loss last week. Now, I told you last week that I thought the Jets were going to beat Jacksonville. It wasn't a super confident pick, but they did just that, and they did it relatively convincingly. Part of the reason why this pick is here is it's back-to-back road games for the Jags, and if they're going to lose against the Jets in New York, I feel like they're definitely going to lose against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So I really like the Steelers here. I think this is a great spot for them. I like Pittsburgh all day to beat Jacksonville in Pittsburgh. But one big thing to watch out for here is how Jacksonville's run offense, which is very good this year, is going to do against Pittsburgh's run defense, which has not exactly been the greatest. So that's definitely an opening there for the Jags, if they can take it, if they want to take it. I don't think Blake Bortles is going to have much success through the air, so I think this is going to be a running game, certainly from Jacksonville's side of things. I figure the Jags will probably win time of possession in this game, but I do like Pittsburgh still at home in a good spot to beat Jacksonville, who's playing back-to-back roadies. On the line, Pittsburgh favored by 8.5 points at home. Sorry, that's too many against a Jacksonville team that is not the same Jacksonville team that we've seen over the past 5, 10, I don't know, 100 years. 8.5 points is way too many here. I like Jacksonville plus 8.5 in a game that they could conceivably win. 
Total in this game is 44 points. The two teams are a combined 3-5 and five on the over-under so far this season. So even though it's kind of one of those middling numbers, I think I'm going to have to tell you to stay under on it. It's two good defenses. One team that's really going to be focused on the run. The other team that has one of the elite running backs in football. So hopefully they'll be sort of dedicated to the run as well. 44 points. I think it stays under. So... Pittsburgh beats Jacksonville straight up in Pittsburgh. I like Jacksonville plus eight and a half on the line. I like under 44 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm four and oh straight up undefeated, two and two against the spread and actually three and one on the over under sees the Dallas Cowboys playing host to the Green Bay Packers in what is easily the game of the week. Dallas playing host to Green Bay. Cowboys are 2-2 two two on the season, coming off of a loss last week against the LA Rams, a game that I personally thought that Dallas probably should have won. I think I took Dallas to win that game, if memory serves me correctly. We're just taking a peek here for that. I did take Dallas to win that game. A decent situation for them in Dallas did not work out. And now they have a team coming in that is equal or better than the team that just beat them. And that is the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and that pass offense. I would be absolutely shocked if we saw Devontae Adams in this game. I hope they're going to hold him out a little bit. And look, Green Bay is suffering some injuries. This is not a complete Green Bay Packers team that's going to be coming into Dallas to face the Cowboys. It could be a good situation for the Cowboys to win, but I actually like the Packers here. I like them in a big, bad way, and I'll tell you why. No matter what the statistics tell me, and look, the statistics for Dallas in this area aren't exactly great, but no matter what the stats tell me, I firmly believe and I know and I can see it on the field, the Dallas Cowboys secondary is one of the worst in football. They're only giving up 232 yards per game through the air. That is number 20 in the league, but they should be somewhere down around 25 to 30. They're giving up 24, a little over 24 points per game on the defensive side. And that is going to be difficult when you have a Green Bay team that's coming in that's a top 10 total pass offense and they're averaging 26 a game. So the defense is not going to do much to make that Packers offense look worse. They're going to have Ty Montgomery as either not playing or severely limited with, I guess it's broken ribs. He might be wearing a flak jacket. Who knows? He might play. If it were me, I don't think I'd be playing my 24-year-old, uh, really talented pass-catching running back with broken ribs wearing a flak jacket, but that's just me. I'm not Mike McCarthy, and I don't work for the Packers. Don't even own part of them. So, I mean, I wouldn't be playing Ty Montgomery, but you've also got the rookie, I think Jones, was that his name? who came in in relief last week and looked pretty darn good. So I don't think the run game is going to fall off a super amount, but I really feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to shred this Dallas secondary, even though the game's in Dallas. I like the Packers to come into Jerry World and put up a loss on the Cowboys. Dallas a two-point favorite at home, but since I like Green Bay to win, I'm going to tell you to go Green Bay plus two. Total in this game is 52.5 points. The two teams are a combined 5-3 and three over under. I have to tell you to go over on it, even though it's a big number. 
these are two offenses that are very capable, like Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and this Dallas offense is capable of putting up huge numbers. So I got to tell you to go over on it, even though it's a big number, over 52 and a half. So Packers in Dallas to beat the Cowboys, upset the Cowboys, quote unquote. Green Bay wins straight up. I like Green Bay plus two on the line, over 52 and a half points. That is your gold pick which only leaves one game left, your platinum pick where I'm three and one straight up and one and three both against the spread and over under sees the Tampa Bay Bucks play host to the New England Patriots. And there is no angrier man in the world right now than Tom Brady. It's been really poor defensive performances for New England all season long. And last week it cost them a game that they should have won. There's nobody in the world right now angrier than Tom Brady, and an angry Tom Brady is terrifying, especially against a Bucks secondary that's the second worst secondary in the league right now, statistically speaking. Now, they're second only to New England, so I imagine there's going to be a ton of points in this game because Jameis Winston can certainly huck the football, and he has plenty of weapons in the pass game. This is going to be a super exciting game. You could see 70, 80 points in this game. You have to like the Patriots, though. Tom Brady does not lose back-to-back games. I think it's happened twice since 2012. So Brady does not lose back-to-back games. So I love the Patriots here, even though they're on the road in Tampa Bay. I like the Patriots to beat the Bucks On the line, New England only favored by 5.5 points. That's a much better spread than uh, favored by 9 against Carolina. So minus 5.5, I'll take that because it's less than a touchdown. I like New England, minus five and a half. Total in this game is 55 and a half points. These two teams have combined to go six and one over under so far this year. Take the over. I don't think New England plays another under, as I mentioned, for the rest of the season. So, New England in Tampa Bay beats the Bucks straight up. I like the Patriots, minus five and a half on the line, over 55 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. All right, folks, those are your straight up against the spread and over under plays for week five in the NFL. It's time for the comment of the week from the week four video. And I've made this mistake so many times, so many times overall since I've been doing this. I have to shout out the person who was the first to point out the mistake. And that is my good buddy, Martin Wong. Now, Martin Wong's comment was, The Saints game is in London, by the way. I never, I never, I never get... There's probably a game in London this week, and I probably completely missed it. So if there is, great. If you're the first person to call me out on missing that this week, you'll probably get the comment of the week next week. But Martin, again, pointed out the Saints game is in London. My response to him was, yeah, I just realized that this morning that could change things for sure. To which Martin responded, nah, it can't possibly help the Dolphins. And it certainly didn't as they got shut out by the Saints, who again are not a shutout defense. So shout out to you, Martin. Congratulations. Yours is the comment of the week from the week four video. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the week five video, but we're going to get you out of here on my CFL picks for week 16 in the CFL season. We are getting ever closer on the road to the Grey Cup. Now, I was three and one in my straight up CFL picks last week, which means we're now nine and 11 on the season. So we're moving in the right direction. In week 16 in the CFL, I like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 
at home to beat the Hamilton Ticats. I like the Toronto Argonauts at home to beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I like Ottawa hitting the road, going to BC, and putting up a loss on the Lions in BC. And I like the Montreal Alouettes at home to upset the Edmonton Eskimos. There you go. That's the week five video. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Go to the Hatbox Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you put us a sub there. Get a like and a comment on all the videos that we put up there. Billy B is killing it with his picks so far this year. And one more time, guys, nerdtease.ca. Use the promo code BWFINEST. That information's in the description below. Get yourself 15% off of your tea and tea accessory orders. Guys, it's a great company. There's great people behind it. It's an awesome product. If you try it, you're going to love it. Thank you. The week five video is now in the books, and we will see you again for week six. Mm -hmm.